Good morning. I hope many of you had the chance to share in Archbishop Aitchen's Mass from the Cathedral Chapel this morning. There's nothing that draws us together more closely than the Eucharist. And you know that's true even when we can't come together actually to, to receive the Eucharist. This morning though, rather than celebrate Mass, I just want to have a chance to be together with you and to reflect with you a little bit on what we are all experiencing in these days that are unlike any others we've ever experienced. But first, let me say how much I wish we could be together in the cathedral this morning. I really miss seeing you and being with you. Being quarantined is no fun, is it? I have to tell you, I feel a bit like a caged lion. Those of you who know me well will, will understand that. But you know, I know I'm in good company. I'm certainly in the good company of many of our senior parishioners. I count myself among them. There's quite an army of us. Social beings that we are, we don't like to be isolated. We don't like to be alone. We're not meant to be alone. My heart goes out especially to those who, of you who are living alone. I hope you have family. I hope you have friends who are checking in on you, looking out for you. And if you don't, well, I hope you'll give us a call at the cathedral so that we can reach out and find someone to connect with you. We don't want you to feel alone or isolated. Now let us begin our prayer together. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. God, our Creator, show forth your mighty works in the midst of your people. Enlighten your church that we may know your Son as the true light of the world and through our worship confess him as Christ and Lord. We pray through our Lord Jesus Christ your Son who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the first book of Samuel. The Lord said to Samuel, Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem, for I have chosen my king from among his sons. As Jesse and his sons came to the sacrifice, Samuel looked at Eliab 
and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is here before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not judge from his appearance or from his lofty stature, because I have rejected him. Not as man sees does God see, because man sees the appearance, but the Lord looks into the heart. In the same way, Jesse presented seven sons before Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any one of these. Then Samuel asked Jesse, Are these all the sons you have? Jesse replied, There is still the youngest who is tending the sheep. Samuel said to Jesse, Send for him. We will not begin the sacrificial banquet until he arrives here. Jesse sent and had the young man brought to them. He was ruddy, a youth handsome to behold, and making a splendid appearance. The Lord said, There, anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel, with the horn of oil in hand, anointed David in the presence of his brothers, and from that day on the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Ephesians. Brothers and sisters, you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for light produces every kind of goodness and righteousness and truth. Try to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the fruitless works of darkness. Rather expose them, for it is shameful even to mention the things done by them in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For everything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, for Christ will give you light. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither he nor his parents sinned. It is so that the works of God might be made visible through him. We have to do the works of the one who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva and smeared the clay on his eyes 
and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloah, which means sent. So, so he went and washed and came back able to see. His neighbors and those who had seen him earlier as a beggar said, Isn't this the one who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is. But others said, No, he just looks like him. He said, I am. So they said to him, How were your eyes opened? He replied, The man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and told me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went there and washed and was able to see. And they said to him, Where is he? He said, I don't know. They brought the one who was once blind to the Pharisees. Now, Jesus had made clay and opened his eyes on a Sabbath. So then the Pharisees also asked him how he was able to see. He said to them, He put clay on my eyes, and I washed, and now I can see. So some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a sinful man do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said to the blind man again, What do you have to say about him, since he opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. Now the Jews did not believe that he had been blind and gained his sight, until they summoned the parents of the one who had gained his sight. They asked him, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How does he now see? His parents answered and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. We do not know how he sees now, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age. He can speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone acknowledged him as the Christ, he would be expelled from the synagogue. For this reason, his parents said, He is of age. Question him. So a second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. He replied, If he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know is that I was blind, and now I see. So they said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to heal it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? They ridiculed him and said, You are that man's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but we do not know where this one is from. The man answered and said to them, this is what is so amazing, that you do not know where he is from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if one is devout and does his will, he listens to him. It is unheard of that anyone ever opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he would not be able to do anything. They answered and said to him, you were born totally in sin, and are you trying to teach us? Then they threw him out. When Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, he found him and said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered and said, Who is he, so that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him. The one speaking with you is he. He said, I do believe, Lord. And he worshipped him. Then Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment, so that those who do not see might see, 
and those who do see might become blind. Some of the Pharisees who were with him heard this and said to him, Surely we are not also blind, are we? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you are saying, We see, so your sin remains. The Gospel of the Lord. My friends in Christ, wasn't it great to have that gospel story read by those wonderful kids, all in the same family? It's a familiar story, and a powerful one, and it's one I've preached on many times over the years. But this year, it put me in mind of a conversation I had not long ago with a woman who shared with me her strong conviction that the coronavirus pandemic is God's punishment on a wicked world, God's punishment on all of us. She told me it was God's way of telling us to repent or perish. I did my best to hear what she was saying, and then, as gently as possible, I tried to help her see that that's not the God I believe in, and it's not the God Jesus came to reveal to us. I think the gospel story of the man born blind makes that point very clearly. In the story, Jesus' disciples were coming from the same place as that woman when they asked Jesus whose sin it was that this man should have been born blind. Was it his? or his parents. Jesus' response is very, very telling. Neither he nor his parents sinned, Jesus said. It is so that the works of God may be made manifest in him. I think those words of Jesus can help us understand what is going on in our world right now. And they are a far better answer than the one my woman friend suggested. But how in the world are the works of God to be made manifest by this awful scourge, this, this out-of-control pandemic that seems to be bringing our world and our lives to a standstill? Well, maybe it will help if I reflect on just what are the works of God. The works of God are many and wondrous. The works of God are all around us, of course. But in the story of the healing of the man born blind, the works of God that stand out most are things like compassion, healing, mercy, and love. In giving the man his sight after a lifetime of living in the dark, Jesus was doing the works of God. He was showing forth, manifesting the merciful, compassionate, loving face of God. Back to my conversation with that woman. In the few minutes we had to speak, I did my best to open her eyes to a different way of viewing the unfolding crisis, the coronavirus crisis, to help her see that the works of God, compassion, healing, mercy, and love are being made manifest in the response of so many of the people all around us, so many. I think, for instance, of the people in the medical profession, doctors, nurses, technicians, many of whom are daily and unselfishly putting their lives at risk in order to care for the victims of the virus. They are doing the works of God. God is being made manifest in their compassion, their love. I think too of the people in the scientific community who are racing against the clock, using every ounce of their scientific skills to develop a vaccine. They are doing the works of God. 
I think two of the first responders who are daily and bravely putting the public health and safety way ahead of their own health and safety. They are doing the works of God. And so are unsung heroes like clerks in our grocery stores, bus drivers, pharmacists, mail carriers, so many others who are working through this crisis without the luxury of being able to work from home. And then there are all of you parents who are doing everything you can during this time to reassure, encourage, and explain all this to your kids, when maybe you yourselves could use some reassuring and encouraging. Don't sell yourselves short. You too are doing the works of God, making them very manifest. And so are our elected officials, many of whom are working to pass legislation that will lessen the devastating effect that this pandemic is having on the social and economic fabric of our country and our world. But especially on the lives of the poor, they're always the ones who suffer the most, aren't they? The poor. The list could go on. In each case I have cited, the works of God, compassion, healing, mercy, and love, are being made manifest in much the same way as Jesus made manifest the works of God in healing that man born blind. And, my friends, we are called to manifest those same works of God. We are. This moment we find ourselves in, scary and difficult as it is, this moment is full of opportunities for us to manifest the mercy and the compassion of God. We do so when we take time to check on an elderly family member or friend or even a stranger and maybe provide a meal or a word of encouragement or a phone call. We do so when we are scrupulous in observing all the important precautions regarding personal hygiene and social distancing, doing everything we can not to put ourselves or others at risk. We also manifest the mercy, compassion, and love of God in our prayer for the victims of the virus and their families, for doctors and nurses and first responders, and for each other, especially those who are lonely and isolated and those who have lost their jobs, their security, in many cases their very livelihood. And we do so too when we pray for employers who have had to make the agonizing decision, the unavoidable decision in many cases, to lay off employees. And we manifest God's works when we pray for and lobby our elected officials, that they will not allow partisan politics to keep them from passing legislation that will quickly bring relief to those who most need it. My friends, I hope you will agree with me that the question is not, whose sin is it that this should have happened? No, the question is, what can I do to manifest the works of God? to show the compassionate, merciful, loving face of God at a very difficult time. May the week ahead open our eyes to as many of those opportunities as possible. And may we hold each other in prayer and in love. And please know that you are uppermost in my mind and in my prayers these days. And I know I can count on a place in your prayers as well. Thank you. To the God who is our light in darkness, let us pray. For the church throughout the world, especially for all of those who are unable to gather to celebrate Eucharist at this time, that we may be aware as never before of our oneness in the church, the body of Christ, we pray to the Lord. 
For all those working to prevent the spread of the coronavirus, nurses, doctors, and medical professionals, researchers, and emergency workers, that they may be filled with strength and wisdom, we pray to the Lord. For those who have died and those who mourn them, for those who are sick, alone, vulnerable, or afraid, for those separated from family, that Christ the healer may be with us all, we pray to the Lord. For the poor, the hungry, and the homeless, that during this time we may find new ways to serve them and lift them up, we pray to the Lord. For every parishioner of St. James Cathedral, that even though we cannot be together, we may still proclaim the wonderful deeds of God who called us out of darkness into marvelous light. We pray to the Lord. At this time, I invite you to join me in praying a special prayer of the church called the Scrutiny. It's a prayer for our elect, a wonderful group of 11 people who are preparing to receive the sacraments of baptism, confirmation, and Eucharist. With all that's happening around us this year, we don't know exactly when that's going to happen. It's meant to happen at Easter, of course, but this year Easter is in God's time. Please join me in prayer for them. Father of mercy, you led the man born blind to the kingdom of light through the gift of faith in your son. Free these elect. Linda, Alex, Brian, Lisa, Obed, Ali, Marcos, Christine, Samuel, Brielle, Joella. Free these elect from the false values that surround and blind them. Set them firmly in your truth, children of the light forever. Through Christ our Lord, amen. Lord Jesus, at your own baptism, the heavens were opened and you received the Holy Spirit to empower you to proclaim the good news to the poor and restore sight to the blind. Pour out that same Holy Spirit on these our elect who long for your sacraments. Guide them along the paths of right faith, safe from error, doubt, and unbelief, so that with eyes unsealed, they may come to see you face to face. Through Christ our Lord, amen. And now let us join together in praying the prayer that Jesus gave us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. The Lord be with you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord let his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you kindly and give you peace. And may you know this day and every day the blessing of Almighty God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's been wonderful being with you. I hope the week is good for you, full of grace and opportunity to manifest the works of God.
Go in the peace of Christ. Thanks be to God. Fletch, fletch.